Good morning, everybody. We are in Colossians chapter 2 today. Colossians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Just keep your hand up. Colossians chapter 2. Some great stuff. Still got a couple here. Anybody else need a Bible? Right here. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can keep this one as a gift. Right here. Colossians chapter 2. Are you there? Say amen. Okay, great. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 15. Um, this is going to be like a two-part message. I've entitled it, Not Legalism, But Christ. Not Legalism, But Jesus. And uh, we're going to be looking at legalism for the next couple of weeks. We're really going to touch on it next week the most, along with um, our, our choices that we have that are gray areas in the Bible, that we have the liberty to do certain things, and though we may have that liberty, other people might not have that liberty. And we'll talk about that more then. So I was going to read verses 11 through 15, but let's just take it all the way through to 17. We'll touch on 16 and 17 next week, but I just want you to get the full flavor of what's going on here. Verse 11, chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul says, In Jesus, in Him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you being, in, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses and having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed the principalities and the powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding the festivals or new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for... Um, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And Lord, thank you that you did it all. And that we've got nothing to bring to the table when it comes to our salvation. But Lord, we do pray that you would give us strength to submit ourselves to you, to be used by you as much as possible while we're here on this earth. And so give us ears to hear right now what the Spirit has to say to us, Lord, and, and bring us into a closer relationship with you and a greater understanding of your will. We thank you for this time and ask that you bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really easy to get caught up in legalism. Now, the legalists of these days were focused on trying to bring people back under the law, the bondage, that you couldn't just be saved by faith, you had to be circumcised also, you had to keep the law, you had to keep the Sabbath, you had to do this, you had to do that. And, and God says, no, I, I've, I've done away with all that. Those things were just a foreshadow 
of things to come, but I have fulfilled those things and I've nailed your sin to the cross and the only way to be saved is by faith and faith alone. You can't be saved by your works. Your works are a reflection of your love for Jesus Christ, but they cannot save you. But these Judaizers, and we're also dealing with the Gnostics, they were coming in with these weird ideas and it was starting to affect the Colossians. And so Paul writes this letter, not ever even knowing this church, but knowing their pastor and encourages them to just stay focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus only. That's it. Just keep our eyes on Jesus. You're going to do well. Trust in him. And to say that we were saved by what he did and that we had nothing to do with our salvation except showing up. So he, he says, I don't want you brought back under these bondages. And, and so he was dealing with Judaizers who were people that were coming in that were saying you got to do these things that were commanded in the Old Testament along with your salvation. So it's faith and do your part, which is a slap in the face to the cross. Because if you believe that you can do anything to earn salvation, then you're saying the cross was of none effect. And that's lie. That's a blasphemy. Jesus did it all at the cross. He paid a debt that you couldn't pay, a debt that he didn't owe, so that you could have eternal life by putting a gift in front of you. And he says, listen, there's the gift. I did it all. Open the gift. Live forever. Live in eternity with me. But if you don't open that gift, the only other alternative is hell. And hell's a real place. And people don't like, don't talk about hell. Don't say the H word. Well, I have to. Because you need to know that there's only heaven and hell. That's it. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. You're either for him or you're against him. And if you're not for him, you're against him. And you might be the sweetest person ever, but if you're not for Jesus, you're against him. You're not in the kingdom of light. You're in the kingdom of darkness. And so if, if you really love Jesus, then you also have a love for the lost to get the word out. But there's still a lot of groups today, even like back then, that are trying to add things, you know, to to your salvation, you know, what day you worship and, 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 you know, what you do, if you do this or you do that, and, and, and that if you do these things, then you really truly be saved. And, and Jesus just wipes all that out and he says, no, you're saved by faith and faith alone. The Gnostics believe that Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah because all matter was evil. The spirit was good. And so you had kind of a split amongst the Gnostics because some of the Gnostics believe that um, Jesus must not have been material matter. If he was really God, then he if he really was the Messiah, then he was a spirit. And they taught that when Jesus was here, if he walked on the beach, that he wouldn't leave footprints because he was really just spirit. So he wasn't evil. And that side of, of the Gnostics believed that he was real, but he wasn't really matter. And then the other side believed if he was matter, then it wasn't the Messiah because matter's evil. Flesh is evil. So there was this battle even amongst the Gnostics. And so you had this one group of Gnostics, that they're both very legalistic, but they had this one group that was like, denied themselves of anything that was pleasurable. Don't eat anything that's pleasurable. Can you imagine? Don't eat anything that tastes good. It sounds like you have a heart condition, right? If it tastes good, spit it out. And they would like, they would like eat the oldest, crustiest bread they wouldn't drink anything but water. They would deny themselves food and say, you know, we'll just try to eat once a day because you really don't need three meals. They would actually beat their flesh to beat their flesh into submission. 
because they thought, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to break down the flesh. And they looked down at people. They were legalistic if you did anything that you enjoyed. They, w- they would see you on the street and you just came from the bakery and they're like, what are you doing? You got cream cheese on that bagel? Are you, is that pesto basil? Are, are, are you kidding me? Bacon bits? On, are, what are you doing? You can't do that. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but that's how crazy legalism sounds. When someone's trying to bring you back under the bondage of the law, when someone's trying to bring you back under the bondage of what day you worship or, or new moons or feasts or all these things, and Jesus says, listen, I, I, I'm the foreshadow. That was a foreshadow of things to come. I fulfilled those things. You're saved by faith and faith alone. He warned us against philosophy last week. He says, watch out for for worldly philosophies. He says, don't let anybody cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, I shared with you last week that Christianity is not a philosophy, though the world will say it is. Because the definition of philosophy is searching for wisdom. The definition of philosophy is a search for general understanding of value and reality by chiefly speculative means. I'm not searching for wisdom. I found it in Jesus Christ. I'm not speculating who he is. I know who he is. And I know he saved me. And it's by his grace that I'm saved. I'm not saved by my works. I'm not saved by legalism. I'm saved by faith. Matter of fact, Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Doesn't that just clear it all up? It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone boast. You know why you can't add anything to your salvation? Because we'd all be in heaven boasting. How did you get here? Oh, you should have seen what I did. I know Jesus stuff, that was pretty good, but oh, man. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if everybody's up there bragging about how great they were. So you can't boast, but then he goes on to say in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are his workmanship. We are his poema we are his poetry and a true transformed life he's got something for you to do and we do good works not because good works saves us but we do good works because we love him don't you like doing things for people that you love and you don't want anything in return you just do it because you love them and that's why we serve Jesus. See, because what you've got to understand is your good works and your efforts will never make you more righteous as the day you got saved. Your good works and your efforts will never increase His love for you because He loves you just as much today as He did the day you got saved. So the things that we do can't make us any more holy, can't make us any more righteous, can't can't earn more of his love. He loves you as much today as he did the day you got saved. That's good news. I don't know about you, 
But that frees me up because I'll tell you what, I, I actually keep the commandments better now because I'm in love with what Jesus did for me. And I'm so appreciative. I do better now than before when I was not saved. And so, you know, when people say, oh, you think, you know, you Christians, it's just it's a license for sin. No, it's not. God forbid. But we're saved by grace and that grace that saves us causes us to do good works because of the one we love and we appreciate. I serve better now than ever before in my life. I read my Bible more. I pray more. But I think I still need to read my Bible more and pray more. I want to serve him and do good things, not because I have to, because I get to. I serve in the church, not because I have to, because I get to. It's such a blessing when you serve God. He blows your mind. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, I don't got the time. And boy, that doesn't sound like fun. That's the enemy whispering in your ear. There is no greater thing than to serve the king of kings. And you'll be so excited to do that. But the Gnostics and the Judaizers were coming in with their legalisms and they were adding to faith and faith alone. Now, there's still legalists today. And, and they're born-again people. And we'll talk more about that next week, how they take liberties and they put trips on you. And you know what? We, we can become legalistic when we become obedient. Did you notice that? Maybe, maybe your, your walk's been a little rocky, and then all of a sudden something happened to you, and now you're obedient. And so as soon as you become obedient, we're quick to point out disobedience. Right? Are you reading your Bible? Yeah, how many chapters did you read? Oh, only two? I read 20 today. How's your prayer life? You pray this morning? Oh, you did? How long? I prayed two hours. That's legalism. That's putting trips on people. Making people feel like they don't measure up unless they're doing what you're doing that isn't even scriptural. There's things that people put burdens on other people that aren't even scriptural, like how do you dress, what kind of music you listen to, do you watch TV or not, what version of the Bible you got. And we'll talk more about that stuff next week, but today we're dealing mostly with, uh, he's just rebuking the circumcision thing because they're coming in and they're saying, listen, um, you're saved by faith and circumcision. If anybody ever tells you that you're saved by faith and anything, run. You're saved by faith, period. Not and our organization, not and being a member of Calvary Chapel, not and works, not and circumcision, and not and worshiping on the Sabbath. You're saved by faith and nothing. But the problem with legalists, and you can pick them out even in a good church, is they're very critical about everybody around them. They're very critical about the church. They're always pointing out what needs to be going on, and what the church needs to be doing, what people need to be doing, and they're pointing out things that aren't even biblically correct. It's just an opinion. They heard a sermon, and so, wow, you know, then the next thing you know, everybody's got to do what they're doing, and, and what, boy, you're just not measuring up because you're not doing, you measure up just as much as anybody else that's in Christ Jesus. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. Jesus loves you, he loves me, he loves you just as much as he loves me. He probably loves me a little bit more. I'm just kidding. My point is, is all we need is Jesus. If you are completely committed to Jesus Christ, guess what? As we read in Ephesians, he's going to put good works in your path and he's going to give you the power to do good works and he's going to energize you to fulfill his will. 
And you're going to enjoy it. And it's going to be fun. And you're going to praise Him and give Him glory because you can't steal His glory. He did it all. All we need is Jesus. And church should be all about Jesus. What did you come to church for today? To pick apart everybody? To be critical? Oh, can you believe those songs they sang? I wish they would have sang this other song, the song I like. Nobody ever plays the song I like. Look at the way those people are dressing. Can you believe that? You know, sometimes I wonder what people come to church for because, you know, I can always tell when I'm standing outside after the service and I'm saying goodbye to people and I'm hearing what they're talking about. You know, when we leave this place, we should, talk, we should be talking about Jesus. Boy, and the, Jesus really spoke to me today. Boy, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart through the Word of God. Man, just, what are you thankful for? Now, don't get me wrong, but I'm going to say something. It's going to rub you wrong, but don't get me wrong. There's a disclaimer right there. I'm getting better. When I ask people, what are you thankful for? You know what I get a lot of times? Thankful for my spouse. I'm thankful for my kids. I get that, but it's really wrong. Because number one, more than anything, I should be thankful for what Jesus Christ did in my life. And my spouse and my kids are trivial compared to what Jesus did. So the first thing out of my mouth should be, I'm thankful that God saved me. I'm thankful that he gave me eternal life, and I'm thankful that he gave me a spouse that loves me, and I'm thankful for the kids. I'm thankful for the job. Do you see the order of, you see what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm not trying to, like, say your spouse and kids aren't important, but who's most important? Because if, if the spouse is most important, if the kids are most important, you missed it. You're going to have a rocky walk with God because he needs to be number one, and not number one out of ten. Number one all by himself. So nobody that even comes close to him. Why should you be thankful? Because you were dead in your sins and trespasses. You were on your way to hell and the unthinkable happened. God who created all things saw the depravity of men, saw that they were dead in their sins and came and took their sins upon himself to take their place at the cross so that we could have eternal life. And that should mean something to us. But you know what happens so many times when we get something free? It doesn't really mean anything at all, does it? Oh, I got a free car. That's nice. That's brand new. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I wrecked it, but oh well. I didn't have to pay for it. And sometimes I think that the grace of God we take advantage of and we don't appreciate it because why? Because we got it for free. Christ saved you. That's important because you might be here today and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you're not born again, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to stand one day before the true and living God and you're going to be accountable for your sin. And then he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And you're going to be cast into hell, a place that wasn't even created for you. Because why? Because, because you didn't want to be accountable to a creator. Because you didn't want to acknowledge everything that you have came from God 
and he's the only hope and he's the substance and and just everything that I put my trust in and and because you didn't want to do that you said I'm going to do it my way well your way will lead straight to hell and people get upset when I talk like that but there's no other way guys I'm not going to sugarcoat it you don't want Jesus hell's where you're going you know, it's like funny because I'll talk with people. We'll talk about missions trips and stuff. We'll talk about Christians that are being tortured and killed for their faith. And then I, I start talking to some of the folks in you know, this service and the other service about missions trip, you know, in dangerous areas. And, and, and they hear about these people that have been tortured for like, you know, five hours straight for their faith. And they're like, I don't know if I could, I could go through that. I don't know if I could handle that. Well, think how much worse it would be to spend 20 minutes in hell. Wake up. If you don't know Jesus today, wake up. Because you're going to stand before the true and living God and you're going to be accountable for all your sins, all the commandments that you broke. And, you know, I always hear this thing like, well, yeah, but I'm a good person. You ever done that? You ever heard that when you witness to somebody? Well, what about, you know, I'm a good person. You know what? There's nobody good. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You're not good. I'm not good. There's nobody good. No, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And that's why he died for our sins, that he would hand us a gift, and we'd get saved, and we'd be okay. But you know what? I used to, I used to really wrestle with that, that thing, like, well, I'm a good person thing, because, you know, I remember once sharing the gospel on my street with a neighbor, and he said, well, what about, you know, so-and-so down the street? She's like 80-something years old. He's like, she's just the sweetest little old lady, and boy, she would never harm a fly, and she's just so kind and sweet. And, I, and then I started thinking, yeah, you know, you're right. She is. She's so kind. She's so sweet. And, wow, she wouldn't hurt anybody. What about her? And then I thought, oh, yeah, she was 18 once. Yeah, you know, because we get sweeter and kinder when we get older. But she's still a sinner. And there's going to be good, sweet, nice people in hell because they didn't want to be accountable to the one that created them. And you know what? God doesn't take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. For God so loved the world. But he's not going to force his love on you. And it breaks his heart when he sees people that perish and end up in hell. So we need to change our, our attitude. We need to want to be used by God. We, we need to stop being critical towards others and come to church because why i came to i came to meet with jesus i came to hear from the lord i came to have the word of god ministered to me by the power of the holy spirit so the question is is are we spending time before church to get our hearts right that's why worship is so important worship is like the 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 warm-up before the big event it's what gets our heart prepared to receive the word He comes to this portion of Scripture, and, and let's back it up to verse 9, where he says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
That was a slap in the face to the Gnostics who said that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah because he had a fleshly body, like, like anything's impossible for God, right? Like he can't come down into his own creation clothed in flesh and dwell amongst us. So when Paul says this, this blows them away because he says, for in him dwells the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead, and then he throws out bodily. So Jesus was the fullness of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, fullness of the Godhead in a body. The Gnostics went, ah! And you are complete in Him. Why are you complete? Because of what He did. You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. He rules over everything, including angels, including fallen angels. And he says, in him, Jesus Christ, verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So he talks about circumcision, and what does he explain here? He's saying physical circumcision doesn't save you. It's the circumcision of the heart. And these guys were coming in telling the, the Colossians that you got to be circumcised physically to really be saved. And Paul's saying, listen, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were circumcised, but not with hands, the circumcision of the heart. This isn't a new concept, guys. This was going on all through the Old Testament. The, the circumcision physically was an outward declaration of something that took place in the heart. But even in the Old Testament, God said He was looking for the circumcision of the heart more than anything. The cutting away of the flesh, the sin from your heart. Jeremiah 4, verse 4 says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Cut away that flesh. Cut away the sins of the heart. And so Paul makes this connection. Just as Circumcision physically in the Old Testament was an outward declaration of something that's happened in your heart. So is baptism to the Christian. Doesn't save you, but it's an outward declaration to the public that you're going forward for Jesus. Something has taken place. The circumcision of the heart. And so he makes this connection. And because Paul made this connection between circumcision and baptism, Reformed theologians and people you know, groups that you know, they baptize infants, and they use this verse to justify it. Well, Paul's making a connection between circumcision and baptism, and since we circumcise babies, then we baptize babies, and it's so wrong. We don't baptize babies. It's not biblical. We dedicate them. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We don't baptize them. Why? Because the Scriptures are clear. Repent and be baptized. Does a baby understand repentance? No. 
What's that mean then? Does baptism save us? No. Repent means that you did a U-turn. You made a 180. You were living in the world. You turned away from the world. You came to Jesus Christ. You acknowledged that he was Lord and Savior. You realized that he created everything and he's the only way to salvation. You asked for forgiveness of your sins. He washed you of your sins and made you a child of God. You entered into the kingdom of light. You are born again and saved. And then he says, now go out and, and, and get baptized. You got to get saved before you get baptized. Otherwise, it's of none effect. And we're, 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 we're identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ when we get baptized, being buried with him in baptism and being raised in a newness of life. And so he makes that connection. In verse 13, he says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So before you came to Jesus, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. I don't care how nice you were, how good you were. I know there's some good people out there who don't know Jesus, but, you know, it doesn't change the truth that we were, uh, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses un and uncircumcision of the heart. That's what he's saying right there in verse 13, that you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive with them, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Can I get an amen? That's the good news. He paid for it all on the cross. My slate's been wiped clean. He sees me holy. You don't. My wife doesn't. But God does. Why? Because when the Father looks at me, he sees the blood of Jesus on my doorpost. Ah, that's my boy. I love him. And that, Satan's up there complaining about us. That's what he does. He dangles bait in front of you. And then as soon as you, he goes, come on, you know, you want this, this is good. Come on, take it, take it, take it. And as soon as you take it, he, he just runs to the father and he starts ratting you out. Look at, look at Steve. What a loser. Look what he's doing. And God looks and goes, yeah, he needs something. I love him. Washed in the blood of my son. That's good news. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. That we've come to Jesus, we've cut away the flesh that's in our heart. We're trusting in Him completely. Why? Because what He did for us. It says that He wiped away our sin, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, having taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's good news. The Ten Commandments condemned us. The Ten Commandments are holy. The Ten Commandments are pure. The Ten Commandments are just. They're righteous. But the Ten Commandments doesn't have grace or mercy or forgiveness. And you stand up against the Ten Commandments, you're going down. Moses came bringing the law, but Jesus came bringing grace and truth. Thank God. You don't want to stand up against the Ten Commandments, you'll lose. And he says that he's taken your sin, he's wiped it away. Can you imagine that? Come on, seriously. 
Think of that list. Can you imagine the list of sins you've acquired since you were born? <laughs> Some of you are like, little babies don't sin. Oh, they do. They're little sinners. Right from the get-go. And you that have little babies right now, you know what I'm talking about. They cry in the middle of the night. Why? Because that gets you up. And then you come in there and you take care of them. And as soon as they see you, many times they stop crying, right? And then they start, their eyes start getting heavy. And you're like, you know, you tiptoe out. You're like, okay, they're going to sleep. And then all of a sudden their eyes open up and they realize you're not there. They cry and bring you right back. They don't care if you're tired. They don't care if you've got to get up in the middle of uh, tomorrow morning. They don't care if you have sleep deprivation. They just want you there. They're little sinners. As soon as they become toddlers, what's the, what's the two main words? No and mine. And then teenagers. Anybody got teenagers? Oh, gosh. Have a few little gods running around your house? Right? And then we get adults, and we're professional sinners. By that time, we've mastered it. And I stopped to think that all my sins were written down from the day I was born until the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, He Wiped it all away. I wonder how long that took. <laughs> Bring the other truck, right? He wiped it all away, and he nailed it to the cross. Wow. I don't know if I get excited about that kind of stuff. I'm going to heaven. Amen? I don't got anything to worry about. Hey, the world's falling apart. Great. I ain't of this world. The Bible tells me it's got to fall apart. That means we're close. I mean, it's a bittersweet. You can look at what's going on in the world and go, okay, that's really a bummer. Um, I'm going to do my best to change these things and, and do what's right. We, we, we're going to fight to the end, be about the Father's business. But you know what? The more I look at it, I'm like, it's time. He's coming. That trumpet's about to blow. We're almost done with this. New bodies. Hello. Eating new food that tastes better than ever before. Hello. And no calories. <laughs> and our last verse for the day is verse um, 15. When he nailed everything to the cross, he, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So the cross was not only good news for you and me, but he put the, the demonic powers and the rulers of this world to shame and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, who thought they had it on him. We're going to kill him. We're going to get rid of him. He's a nightmare to what we stand for. And they thought they had a victory. It turned out to be his victory. And that's good news. Principalities and powers talks about fallen angels. He triumphed over fallen angels. He triumphed over Satan, who was a cherubim. But you know what? I, he triumphed over powers to be on this earth because at the time the greatest power was the roman empire and the greatest religious power 
was Judaism. And he triumphed over them. Because why? They both conspired to kill him. They thought they had done it. He was a threat to our power and our authority and our wealth and everything we stand for because they had gotten so far away from the Word of God, Israel was messed up. And Rome thought, he's a threat to our power. They conspired together. Let's kill him. They put him on the cross, and they thought, we did it. Got that out of the way. And then the principalities and the powers, the demonic beings. Let me read you something from um, Psalms. It's, it's a Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a uh, picture of the cross Jesus being tortured. It's funny, all through the Old Testament, you can find places where it talks about the punishment that he took for us and being whipped for us. And, and by his stripes, we are healed. And how they pulled out his beard. And he was so beaten and battered, you couldn't even, couldn't even tell who he was. And, and then in Psalm 22, speaking of the cross, in verse 12, it says, Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan. Those were the giants. You remember in Genesis before the flood when the, the fallen angels came down and took the daughters of men as wives and they created these half-angelic, half-human giants and grotesque creatures and things like that? He's talking about these giants that were demonic, that were upon the earth, giants that David killed and his mighty men, giants. He said these, these demonic beings who are demons and in hell and, and just on their way to the lake of fire, he says, many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan. They've encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging, roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It, it has melted within me. My strength is dried up like pots herd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You, you have brought me to the dust of death, for the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and feet. I cannot count. I can count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. Picture the scene. Jesus, beaten to a pulp, bloodied, nailed to a cross. And the Romans are going by, and they're going, Pff! and the Jews, the religious leaders are going by, and they're spitting on him. But the scene we get out of Psalm 22 is that there's a spiritual realm of darkness that is like circling him on the cross. And they're just, Rah! and everybody's like, we did it. It's done. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, it's finished. And everybody went, what? And he said, Father, into, my hand, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost and he died. And this great earthquake hit. And the veil ripped from top to bottom. And all of a sudden, Rome and the religious leaders and the demonic beings all went, this can't be good. <laughs> and 
He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, that they were so delusional with their hatred that they didn't realize that they were helping him. <laughs> we're going to kill him. You're helping me. Because he had to die for you and me to provide a way. But let me encourage you. All you need is Jesus. Don't get caught up in legalism. Don't put trips on people. Stuff that's not in the Bible. All we need is Jesus. Come to church because you love Jesus. Come to church because you want to hear from God. Come to church and encourage one another. Come to church knowing that you're born again, saved, going to heaven, and nothing, nothing can separate you from God. Let's close with this. Turn to Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now I'm going to read this, and I hope it hits you like it hit me. And we're going to read verses 37 through 39, and when I'm done, I hope you shout with joy. Romans 8, verse 37. Check it out. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing that shall be able to, be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Amen. Nothing can separate you from the Lord Almighty. He sees you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Your sins have been wiped out. The handwriting of all your past is wiped out and nailed to the cross. You have eternal life. Finish and finish well. In Jesus' name, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you, Lord. I think of what you do, it just makes me want to weep with joy. Because no one's ever loved us like you. No one's ever gone after us like you. <sighs> Father, thank you for your promises and for your love. And thank you for these people here, Lord God, that today you ministered to their hearts. I didn't. The Holy Spirit did. The Word of God did. And Lord, you are stirring them up inside. They're a new creature, creation in you. And so Lord, give them the strength to finish and to finish well. Lord, help us all keep our eyes on you through everything, even the storms. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what. He's ready to wipe out that list in your life. All you got to do is confess to him that he's everything he said he was. So if that's you today, you're here today, and you want to know Jesus, pray this in your heart, Lord. I believe you're God. I believe you're the creator of all things. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through you. I confess my sins and ask for forgiveness right now. Wipe out that whole list and nail it to the cross and save me now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.